Turn with me, please, in the scriptures to Acts, the 20th chapter. Acts chapter 20. We began a series a few weeks ago entitled, anybody remember what the, what the title was? Faithful to Finish. Faithful to Finish. And the scripture has much to say about finishing. And uh, faith comes by hearing. Acts 20, Paul was facing some things in his immediate future that would involve persecution. And um, he said in Acts 20, 22, he said, "I, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Save or accept that, the, we, we, we know this, the Holy Spirit witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me or are waiting on me there. But none of these things move me. Hallelujah. Don't you like that? I've adopted that for myself personally. I just every once in a while, if something's trying to push on me, I, I say that out loud. None of these things move me. Say it out loud. None of these things move me. Now, uh, he was talking about the prospect of suffering or being incarcerated and being beaten and all that kind of thing. And He said, well, it, none of that moves me. Neither do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might what? Finish Finish my course with joy. Man, I like those last words there, with joy. Because that's not going out with a a sigh and a a squeak. (laughs) It's going out with a shout. It's going out because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's going out strong that I might finish my course strong with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Other translations say it like this. God's word translation says, I don't place any value on my own life. I want to finish the race I'm running. The New Century says the most important thing is that I complete my mission. A couple of other ones say similar things. I only want to complete my mission and finish the work the Lord Jesus gave me to do. NIV says my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. He's not saying his life is worth nothing. He's saying it's only good use is in finishing what God gave him to do. And he's he's not fighting just to live. He's fighting to finish his job. Can you see that? And the scriptures, Jesus talked about this quite a bit. About that if you loved your life, you would lose it. But if you'd lose it for his sake, you'd find it unto eternal life. This is not how most people think. Most people on the planet, 
They live like this is all there is. Like this natural life. And they live like it's going to last forever. Like they're going to keep doing what they've been doing for the next thousand years. And many of them are not going to finish the week. Alive down here on earth. They tell us some 155,000 die across the planet surface every day. Every day. Uh, Almost two every second are are leaving here. And yet, people act like they're going to do this forever. We asked in the previous messages, is it too early to think about finishing? (laughs) It is not. I said, it is not. I don't care if you're 15 years old. It's not too early. And certainly if you're 50 years old, <laughs> you, you're closer than you think <laughs> to leaving. Even if you live to be 100, it's going to go by in a flash. We read the scriptures that says, what is your life? It's a vapor. It's like a mist. It's like a morning mist. Well, how long does that last? Not till lunchtime. Is that right? He said, that's what your life is like down here. From God's perspective, and his perspective is the the right one, the correct one. And so Paul says by the Spirit, none of the anticipated hardships, not even of losing his own life, that's not the biggest thing to him. Well, when you live in, in reality and awareness, you realize I'm not one way or the other. I'm soon out of here. Right? Soon and very soon. I'm out of here. If it's 20 years, that's nothing. If it's 50 years, that's nothing. 75. And what's the important thing is not can I squeeze another day of life out down here. And you'll find people that they they act like this is all there is, that they will do anything to live another day or another week or another month down here. But that's foolishness. And so because of that, because of the fear of death then, Hebrews says you live all your lifetime subject to bondage. You're afraid to do this. You're afraid to do that. Why? Because you might die. No, honey, you are going to die soon. And the key is be ready to go. You need to be ready to go. What do you mean ready to go? You need to be born again. You need to know that you know that you're saved and you're right with God. And your name's in the last book of life. And only when you're ready to die are you really ready to live. Now you can live, go places, do things, even if there's some risk involved. And there's risk in rolling out of bed in the morning. Is it? You're laughing, but people have fallen and gotten hurt and died. It's happened. Going out the front door to the mailbox, a lot of people have died. There's risk in everything. But uh, that's what Paul said. He said that none of these things move me. I don't count my life dear unto myself. The only thing is I want to finish my course with joy. I want to complete. I'm paraphrasing now. What God put me here to do. I want to finish it. How many think all of us should think this way? Hmm? All of us should think this way. So say it out loud. None of these things move me. I don't count my life dear to myself. 
But that I may finish my course. With joy. And the work. Complete the work. The Lord gave me to do. Well now of course. Step one you need to find out. Right? You need to find out what that is. And then you need to get on it. Stay on it. And then at some point. Finish it. Go with me if you would to. Uh, 2 Timothy, I believe it is. Yeah, 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. Thank you, Lord. The longer I go, I've been saying this for years if you've been around, but man, as the years go by, this life is so short. It is so short. We're here just like, like the scripture says, just like a mist. And then you're gone. We do not have time to fool around, waste. We don't have time. We need to be, what did Jesus say at age 12? I must, didn't you know that I needed to be, I had to be about my father's business? He's thinking about finishing at 12. Is that right? Of course, he finished at what, 33? So are we talking about 20 20 years or something, 21 years, when he was 12, so certainly. And uh, how many folks on the earth today have died and are dying in their 30s, in their 40s and 50s? Just scores of thousands all over the place. No, it's foolish to get up, go to work, go to school, if you're tired, whatever you do, come back, eat lunch, you know. Wash the dishes, vacuum the floor, comb your hair, go to bed, get up, and act like you're going to do that forever? You're not. I said, you're not. Soon everything down here, everything that's going on, it's just for a short season. Everything. And things are changing all the time. Seasons change. And, um, you know, the people that are in your life, they're not always going to be there down here. Just like you, you hear people say, well, I, I just couldn't live without so-and-so. Don't say that. Because you may need to. You may need to live for years or decades without them down here. So I, I can't handle it. You don't want to set yourself up for that kind of vexation and pain. Is God able to sustain you and keep you? If you got enough of your heart in, if some person has such a place in your heart that you don't think you can live without them, then you tried to give them a place of your heart only God should have. And it's pressure on them that's only going to hurt your relationship. You're trying to get things out of them that only God can give you. It's foolish. No, God is our anchor. Our hope in Him, our expectation of tomorrow and he is our foundation. He is our rock. Yes. Hallelujah. And with him, you can make it. Yes. Not only survive, you can thrive. You, yes. you can flourish so much better than you imagined that you could. Now, that's not to say if this is real to you, then you realize appreciate the people around you. Right? Treat them good so that you don't have regrets tomorrow. Things you wished you had done or said. Things you wished you hadn't said. Because soon and very soon. 
the people around you are not going to be here. It's just the way of all the earth. But again, that's not the big thing, is how long can I eke out an existence down here? How long can I hold on to them or them hold on to me? Uh Uh-uh. What's the big thing? Finish your job. Find your purpose in God. Find your place. Operate in your grace and run and finish your race. Can you say amen? amen? 2 Timothy 4. Hallelujah. That's good preaching if I did say so. It's <laughs> like my grandma used to say about cooking stuff. She'd go, mm, that is good if I did make it myself. <laughs> she was right too. 2 Timothy 4. He says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. That's what's coming. That's the future. So what do we do? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That people will not want to hear good, solid, rightly divided Bible teaching. They'll want something else. After their own lust, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. (laughs) I wrote down in the margin of my Bible one time years ago this phrase, Teacher, teacher, scratch my ear, tell me what I want to hear. Is that what he's talking about? What what do you mean? What's an itching ear? What does an itch want? To be scratched. What does that mean? Tell us what we want. Don't tell us what God said. Don't tell us what the word says. Tell us what we want to hear. And that is already happening in a lot of churches. People find, you know, they, they don't want to hear the scriptures expounded or you know, they, they want to be stirred up and they want to be mad about something or they want to be. <laughs> you can finish the rest of that. Said uh, they'll turn away their ears from the truth and they'll be turned unto fables. Well, you know, if all those 1435 scientists are right, then much of the world is believing a fable about this. Climate, you know, hysteria, catastrophe. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. Now, this is another way of saying what Paul said earlier. Make full proof. That means complete it. You know, finish it, do it completely. Verse 6, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. You know, we say this sometimes, prayers get previews. If you're a praying person, you spend time with God communing, you'll get glimpses. You'll you'll actually experience more of the Holy Spirit's ministry to show us things to come than other people do. And um, here he says, the time of my departure is at hand. He's talking about leaving his body, leaving this earth. He's talking about what we call dying. 
And he says, I'm ready. Don't you like that? I'm, I'm now ready. I'm ready now. The time of my departure is at hand. And he goes on to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Hallelujah. Do you like this? Does this, does this bless your soul and your spirit? Say it out loud. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Do you want to be able to say this when you realize you are days, maybe even hours away from dying, from, from leaving your body? Is this the right way to go? You're not filled with regrets. You're not going, oh, I thought I'd have more time. I just kept putting everything off and, and I was too busy to do anything for God, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And oh, I. I thought I had more time. Well, you thought wrong. But this is the way. I said, this is the way to be glad about how you've spent your life for those previous years and decades. Say say that loud again. I want you to practice. For when the time comes, I have fought a good fight. Let's say it together. I have finished, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now we didn't do it by ourselves. It was by the grace of God. It was it was by the the Spirit's help and strength. And but success, a life not wasted, a life well spent. Hallelujah. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. Are you looking forward to him coming back? Then he's talking about you. Do your diligence to come shortly to me, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Now here we see a contrast. Paul is saying, I'm ready to go. And I have finished my course. Here we see somebody that was helping Paul getting off course. Leaving his course. Forsaking. He said, Demas has forsaken me. Why? What moved him to do that? Because Paul was a lousy preacher? Because Paul was so mean to him? Uh Uh-uh. No. See, Judas forsook and betrayed Jesus. And you dare not say it was because of something wrong that Jesus did. It's not true. See, you're not guaranteed that people are going to be faithful Even though you do things well. Because everybody has a choice. Everybody has a free will. Everybody has a a free choice. And this world. And the desires of the flesh and mind. Are real pulled. Never underestimate them. Church folk like to sit up. And act like they're not really that big of a deal. 
but they are. And so many people have started out for God only to wind up like Demas. Wind up getting disillusioned and offended and bored and and whatever just because of their own carnality and coldness and feeding on the world. Whatever you feed is going to get stronger. And feeding the flesh, the desires of the flesh will increase and get stronger and stronger. And if you do that long enough, it'll pull you away from God. And you'll pursue that instead of God. And that will prevent you from finishing your course. Because just like we said, we've got a limited amount of time. And you get all engrossed in trying to satisfy your flesh and, and lust and desires of all these different kinds. Ten years can pass by in a blink. And 20 years and 30, next thing you know, and especially when you're not serving God, uh, you're not going to be sustained. You're not going to be as well off. You're not going not to live as long. And so you can realize, uh-oh, I'm at the end of my road. And you have, you have missed your race, you have failed to complete your course. This has happened so many times. And here's a man with one of the greatest men of God of any generation, Paul, and he was with him, traveling with him, hearing him teach and preach. He heard these revelations live before they were written down. He was there in the meetings. He saw miracles. He saw signs and wonders and miracles. And yet the pull of the world kept tugging on him until finally, even being with Paul, even seeing miracles, even hearing world-changing revelation from heaven on a regular basis was not enough. He made the choice that he loved this world more. And that is, that's what prevents folks from uh, finishing their course. Is loving something else more. And we're not talking about unbelievers. We're talking about believers. Can a believer, somebody who's been saved, can they love something more than they love God. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. God's not going to force you, make you and I do anything. He went on to say later in the 16th verse, he says, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. It wasn't just Demas. It was a number of people that unhooked from him, left him, He said, I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. He didn't hold it against them. And he asked God, well, if they have left the things of God and gone just into the world, they got enough problems. And they're going to have a lot of problems without that hanging over their head. Well, that happened with Jesus too, you know. When he preached that message on eat my flesh and drink my blood. People left him by the thousands and didn't come back. 
Go with me to 1 John, if you would, please. Why are we talking about this? I want to finish my course. Well, you don't want to be dumb about it. Why have other people not finished their course? Need to acknowledge it. Is my flesh that much different from theirs? We don't need to be dumb about this stuff. The enemy has really done some damage to the church through all the COVID stuff and the political things of people. We've got a lot of people. I, uh, you know, we travel to different places, uh, different parts of the country, even parts of the world, and many churches still have not had half of their people return to attend church regularly like they had before COVID. Why would that be? Well, it doesn't take long to get lazy. I mean, you're to be commended. You got up this morning, got out in the cold. Sarasota didn't. <laughs> they still got up and came, though, while a lot of other folks down there went fishing and playing golf. <laughs> like Sunday morning was the only time you could do that. But what, what are you saying? It happens so quick, which is another reason you don't want to judge. You might say, yeah, I know some folks like that. Why aren't they back in church? You better cool it. Unless you want to wind up in worse shape than them. Because the Bible says if you judge and don't show mercy, you will be judged. And you won't get mercy. It takes no time at all to miss a few services. And miss a few givings of tithes and offerings. And, and miss a few reading your chapters. And miss a few times of prayer. And the, the more you do it, the less you think it's a big deal. And next thing you know, you are backslid. You're watching junk all the time on TV and movies and stuff and the internet. And you're getting no word. And you're getting nothing to build up your spirit. And what can happen, I mean, just in a matter of months, you can be completely backslid and so cold and you won't realize it until something hits you and you need to use your faith and you realize, oh man, I'm, I'm so weak. I could believe hardly for anything. But that's the tactics of the enemy. He knows this. And so he, he, he doesn't try to get you to buy into the whole thing, just leave God. He knows he can't talk you into that, but just skip church today. And then again, and then again, and then again. People say, well, I, I'm, I'm watching, you know, over the Internet. You can't serve over the Internet. I'm glad that you can, and of course we've got people that watch all over the world but you need to be involved in a local family. It needs to be priority to you. You need to give your time and your abilities and your talents to serve. This life will soon be over. And the stuff that you're doing in the world that's apart from the kingdom of God, nobody will know or care in a few years, much less a thousand years. And it's all going to be over very soon. He said uh, all of these forsook, but he prayed that it wouldn't be laid to their charge. Go to 1 John, rather. 1 John 2. 
1 John 2 and 15. He said, love not the world. He's writing to believers. Saints, the scripture calls them. Don't love the world. Say it out loud, don't love the world. world. Neither the things that are in the world. Now he's not talking about the earth, the planet. He's talking about the ungodly world system. And all the ungodly things that's in the world. And you'll find that the push and and the, the attempted force of the world is to get God out of everything. No, you can't bring your religion in here. What they're saying is no God. No God. No talk about God. No Bible talk. No God. That's the world. The ungodly world. And what does the scripture say? Don't love that. Why would he need to tell us that? Because it has an allure. I said it has an allure. To say it doesn't is to be foolish. Don't love the world. Don't love the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's a replacement For the love of God. From the Old Testament. All the way through what Jesus taught. In the Gospels into the New Testament. You'll find this thought. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart. With all your soul. With all your mind. And all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Or as Jesus said. Love your brother. And sister as I have loved you. But it starts with loving God. And this is, this is the core issue. In order to make a full course, it will require a full commitment. A full commitment. Half measures will not succeed. It won't be enough. Partial measures, partial measures. That's why the Lord, as I begin to study this more, the statements the Lord made. He, he said, if you, if you love your, your mother, your father, your, your sister, your brother, your son, your daughter, yourself more than me, you're not worthy of me. Right. He said, you got to be willing to sacrifice and give up, lose everything to follow me. Why would he say such things? Because that's the only way it works. Anything less than a full commitment and love for him, you won't make it across the finish line. Something else will be more important to you. Phyllis and I are talking about this recently. We have seen so many people miss God, miss the plan of God over family. They love family, their family more than they love God. And people don't even like to talk about that because, well, you know, my family's going to come first. Well, then God doesn't. It's just that simple. And you're setting a bad example for them. You're teaching them wrong. You're teaching them to put themselves and their children first instead of God. By example. There's only one first place. Y'all with me saints? There's only one. What am I talking about? If anything else is too important to you in this area, it will be the thing that leads you astray. That leads you off the path. It might not happen tomorrow or next week or next month, but eventually 
you'll choose that and you won't finish your course. That's why Paul, remember what the text said, Paul said? The Spirit of God everywhere I go says there is bondage, incarceration, affliction waiting on me. So what, what would a lot of folks think? Well, I ain't going. Right? Huh? Well, I'm staying myself to the house. But that's not what he said. See, when Paul, who used to be Saul, got born again, he met the Lord in a spectacular experience on the road to Damascus. Bright light shined around about him. Heard the voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? At that time, he ministered to him and told him about things he was going to suffer for his name's sake. And that he would be brought before kings as a witness. So this is his course. Can you see this? This is his path. When, when they say, you know, you're going to be, uh, you're going to suffer some things because of your preaching the gospel. And, and then you're going to wind up being brought before Caesar. I mean, that should, that should have been to him. I'm on track. Right? I am on track. God told me this when I got born again years ago. I am right where I'm supposed to be. And he was. Which is why later on in Timothy we read when he says, time of my departure is at hand. And I'm ready. Why? Because he'd done it. I said he had done it. He had been persecuted for the gospel. Dear me, he had been beaten. He had been stoned. He had been maligned, he'd been jailed but he had preached the gospel all over the known world and we're still quoting him today, hallelujah and he preached to kings Agrippa, he preached before Caesar, he did it, I said he did it, that's why he can say I've run a good race I've fought a good fight I have finished my course, I have done what I was put here to do And the great news is every one of us can do the same. Every one of us can do the same thing. We can find and we can finish our place in our race. But it requires a love for God above the love for anything else, anybody else, including your own life. And if you lack that, you won't do it. Many will never even find their place and and, and much less finish their race. If that 100% love and commitment is not there, you won't do your full measure. It will require a full measure of love and commitment. That's why Jesus said the things that he said. If you're going to be my disciple, you got to be willing to lay any, everything down. Take up your cross. Follow me. You can't love mother, father, sister, brother, son, daughter, whatever more than me. That love is what will get you on track and keep you on track all the way. Because when you're pulled and tempted, even though part of you may want to go that way, Something else is bigger in you. You love God more. And if it was just left up to your flesh, you would do this. But God says do this. So you love him more. 
and you, go, you make the right choice. If you don't love him more, you will go off. You will go astray. He goes on to say, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and he mentions the same three things that happened in the book of Genesis when the devil deceived Eve and Adam fallen in. Same exact three things. It's always been this way with the enemy trying to confuse and tempt and mislead human beings. These three things. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh. The, lust of the, the word lust just means longing or desires, longings of the flesh. What is that? The flesh wants to feel. The flesh wants to experience sensations of the senses. The smell, the taste, the touch, the hear. It wants to feel. And that's strong. And if you don't govern it, it'll go astray on you. Wanting to experience this, wanting to feel this. There has to be some limitations you put on it. Or it'll it'll pull you off. It'll pull you astray. The lust of the eyes. That's the longing of the eyes. Same similar thing, but a matter of looking. The pride of life. And this is an interesting one. Because it has to do with uh, wanting to be seen. Wanting people to be impressed with you. Wanting to be noticed. The pride of life. Who I am. What I have. What I've done. And uh, there's a number of folks that working in church. If you don't acknowledge them often enough. (laughs) If they don't get all the credit for something they've done. They'll quit working. Well then that shows what they were working for. Can you see that? And really you're better off if people don't acknowledge what you've done in this lifetime. If it was for God, that means he's going to acknowledge it later. And that's what you want. Because people forget by the end of the week. (laughs) And he said all these things, they're not of the Father. But they are of the world. And the world is passing away. And these longings, they're passing away. But he that does the will of God abides, stays, lasts forever. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I love God. I don't love the world. I love my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Go to uh, uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, please. Hebrews 12. We're still laying a foundation on this. And we plan to just, you know how we do around here. We just keep on keeping on. If it takes 20 parts to finish it, then that's what it takes. But we're going to. We're going to have a foundation of the Word of God in us. 
Is that right? To where we we have an idea about what's going on. And what's going on in our life. We don't live like foolish people that act like they're going to live down here forever. And people that are always afraid, you know, that uh, they're going to die. So they won't do anything. They won't leave the house. They won't reach out and in their mind can't afford any kind of a risk. Did, did Paul put himself at risk? Oh, brother. I mean, what do you say? Three or four times he was shipwrecked? Well, you know, after the first time, you might think, that's it, I'm done with riding them rickety boats. I mean, <laughs> you know, bobbing up and down like a cork in the ocean with the sharks. For, he said uh, all night and day he, he was there for what? You know, 24 hours before anybody saw him, got him back out. Um, but now nah, he gets right back on the ship. Why? Got to go preach the gospel to some people that have never heard it before. They're all excited about it. Got to preach to them Ephesians. I hear they need God. And boy, they did. Got to preach to the Colossians. Got to preach to the, those in Thessaloniki. I got to preach to the Romans. I got got to gotta go. Got to go. I can almost, I said I can almost hear Paul sometimes saying, Keith, boy, if I had had the internet and a jet airplane, go, boy, go. Get to it. And, and that is not a stretch. Notice here in the great 11th chapter of uh, Hebrews, all of these great heroes of faith were mentioned. Verse 1 through verse 40. And this wasn't written in chapter and verse. This flows into the very next part. Verse, chapter 12, 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses. What witnesses? Well, all the ones, plus many, many, many more, that he just listed. Abraham, Sarah, Enoch, Noah, you know, Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Abraham, Sarah, all of them have already finished their course. And we're talking about people that amongst, at that time, it might have been hundreds of thousands, if you go back way back, and, and then amongst millions, now amongst billions, what percentage of people on the planet even act like God is real? Much less want to find out his plan for their life. A tiny, tiny percentage. And they were that group in their generation. And when everybody else was too busy living their own life, could care less about any of the things that God wouldn't give him the time of day, not realizing in a few more breaths they're out of here. They lived their little mist of a life and then they're gone, insignificant. That's what the Lord said. That's when we put these words up over the, the platform. Those that honor me, God said, I will honor. But those that despise me will be lightly esteemed or treated as insignificant. Most of the people on the planet, their lives are utterly insignificant. As far as what it will amount to, anything will come of it after their life, much less a thousand years from now, nothing. Nothing. Because of being godless. But everyone that will look up and say, I acknowledge my God. I, re- I believe in my Savior. And here I am, Lord. 
Use me. What do you want me to do? I, I live for your pleasure. I was created. I live. I exist to serve you. Not just to serve myself. Not to just serve my family or my company or something else. I live. I exist. What, what did the master say? It was written of him. I delight to do thy will. Oh God. Is that the right attitude? Is that, is that the right heart? And here's the thing. You might say, well, I don't know what to do. That's not where it starts. If you want to do it, and you really want to do it, he will see to it that you find it. You can count it. He will see to it. But if you don't care enough to look, you're not going to find. Seek, and you shall find. Ask, it'll be given. Knock, it'll be opened. Let's just do it right now. We've got people watching all over. People, Sarasota in here. Say it out loud. Father God. I do care. I want to do. What you want me to do. I want to fulfill. What you made me to do. And to be. Here I am. Use me. Show me. The path. The plan, the course, the race, I want to do it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, if you meant that, God knows if you meant it or not. But if you meant it, I assure you, you're going to be learning more about your calling path this week. You watch and see. You will get more light on it. If you learn to pay attention you see more and more that we are not waiting on God. Phyllis and I were driving in the truck the other day going somewhere. We're talking about something really serious about some church members that had some issues. And we both just stopped and we've learned to do this over the years. Instead of just talking something, we both stopped and said, God, show us what the answer is on this. And I mean, before we got home, he had shown us. Ask, and you shall receive. And when he showed us, it was something he had already told us. How many times have you seen that? (laughs) But this thing about, I just, I I don't know, I don't have a clue what God wants me to do. It's because you don't care about it enough. You don't love it enough. If you really want to know, you will look for it. You will reach for it. You'll search for it and He said, you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. Is that right? You call unto him, he will answer you. You can count on it. Is God faithful or is God faithful? He he is faithful. People that go all their life and never find it, it's because they don't care enough. They say they do, but it's just religious talk. They don't really, they want to live their life like they're living it. They don't want to change. So they don't really want to know. And so God knows if that's your heart. And he knows there's no need talking to you about it. You wouldn't do it anyway. There has to be a willing heart. Before there's a hearing ear. Getting willing. Opens your ears. And now you can hear. And Phyllis and I. We left our home. And and we went to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And there for 20 years. And then we. Left and came here for 
for years, and then we went to Florida and started that, and, and now, you know, in any given week, uh, where are we? Well, I'd have to check and see. But does it matter? People say, well, I just love my own home place. Yeah, I know, more than God. That's the problem. I just can't leave mama and them. I know you love them more than God. I'm just, I'm just afraid to get out like that. Something may happen to you. Well, something may happen to you in your backyard, too. <laughs> See, the truth is, a lot of folks don't really want to know. They don't really want to know the path and the course and the plan. They already got a plan. Their plan. And, and they're going to live their plan. <laughs> I'm getting looks all across the crowd. Like, <laughs> I didn't write these verses. I didn't write these verses. But does it inspire you to hear somebody like Paul say, I'm ready. I've done it. I've seen it. Hallelujah. I fought a good fight. I have finished. I finished my course. And so there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness that'll endure throughout eternity. Oh, somebody say, praise God, praise God. And so here he's saying that we have this great cloud of witnesses in heaven. All these patriarchs. And of course, that was then. And even at that time, there were many, many people in this cloud of witnesses. Now, all these generations later, there's even more. I've got relatives there. You've got relatives there. And you know what they're doing? <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> they may be saying, when are you going to get moving? Do you realize how late the clock is? <laughs> or they may be saying, stay after it, do a good job. But, but it says, having this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Did Jesus finish his course? Yes, he did. And what a way he did. But notice he said, seeing we're compassed about with this great cloud, let us do what? What would keep you from finishing your course in your race? Weights and sins are the two things he mentioned. A weight is not a sin. They're not the same thing. There are some things that can be in your life that you, technically it's not sin, but it's hindering you. I said it's hindering you from your, your race and your course. The word weight has to do with a load, with a mass, with something that's an encumbrance, slowing you down. Well, if you're trying to run a race and you got an 80 pound pack on your back, your time is going to show that. Is that right? If you just got 20 pounds, you're lugging around extra. It's going to show that. So there are weights that will hinder us in, in running and finishing our race. And there are sins. Sins are 
The word sin means to err, to go astray, get off track, go away. And isn't that what he said? Demas has forsaken us, having loved this present world. Did he go off on another track from what he was doing with Paul? He went off on another track. Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen Sr., who's in heaven now, he said he had an experience where he was caught up to heaven. And he, and he saw his sister that had died some time before. And he said he got revelation. It actually had been prophesied to him by Sister Wilkerson sometime before that, that this would happen, that he would get revelation about heaven. And it happened when his sister passed. And uh, he said that uh, he saw somebody there that their, this was their husband, I think it was, had remarried since they had been gone. And he didn't, <laughs> he didn't know if to say anything or not, or bring it up. Or, and uh, he said that they revealed to him through the conversation that people there didn't really care about that. But they cared about spiritual things. And his sister told him about ministering to one of her sons that had been backslid. And said to tell him that when this son came to the Lord, she would know it. She would know it. And that's, you see other scripture, the Bible talks about when one person comes to the Lord, that there's rejoicing in heaven. Is that right? That the angels rejoice. Well, if the angels know about it, then somebody else that was there could know about it too. And so it is revealed in Scripture that our elders and, and family and those who have gone on before us, they are aware of spiritual progress. They are aware of family getting born again or, or coming back to God or, and, and you know, finding your place and, and doing the will of God and, and running and finishing your course. That's, isn't that what he said in the very next phrase here about there's a great cloud of witnesses? And in what? He talks about running your race. Well, what's that got to do? They must have some awareness of the race. And he's telling us, look, you got an audience. You got an audience. Put that verse up again, please. 12 1. You got an audience. A great cloud. We are compassed about. Compassed is a circle. All around us, there is a great cloud of witnesses. If they don't know anything, why say lay aside weights and sins and run your race? What's one got to do with the other? If they have no clue about it. No, he mentions one connected to the other. Seeing, we got all this great cloud of witnesses. Mama, Daddy, Grandpa, Grandma, whoever was saved, uncles, aunts, grandparents, great grandparents. Think about this great, 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 great grandparents you didn't even know you had. But you're, they're part of your family. And of course, the ones that were not blood part, they're part of your family too by the blood of Jesus. Noah? John the Baptist? Is that right? Peter? 
You don't want folks looking at you going, why don't they get moving? What are they waiting on? Do they not know? They'll be leaving to come here in 20 minutes God time. Which would be a few years. We're not going to be down here forever. A few more days. A few more days is all we have. And we must be about our Father's business. Can you say amen? amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.